Today, our guest is Dr. V. Mohan. Dr. V. Mohan is an internationally renowned Indian diabetologist. He is the chairman and the chief of diabetology at Dr. Mohan Diabetes Specialist Center, a WHO collaborative center for non-communicable disease prevention and control, and an IDF center of education. Dr. Mohan is also president and director of Madras Diabetes Research Foundation. He worked at the Royal Postgraduate Medical College, London, as a Welcome Research Fellow and at the Alexander von Hamilton Fellow at the University of West Germany. He has over 1,200 publications in peer-reviewed journals like Lancet, British Medical Journal, Journal of Clinical Endocrinology, and Metabolism, Diabetes Medicine, Diabetes Research, and Clinical Practice. Dr. Mohan was awarded the Padma Shri fourth highest civilian award in the Republic of India. So today, please help me to welcome Dr. V. Mohan. So Dr. Mohan, you, you are a um, long-time practitioner uh, in diabetes area, right? And you are also Padma Shri. Um, yeah. In 2012, you received that? 2012, yes, that's correct. And I have heard you have received a series of Awards. You want to talk about that something? <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, I have been blessed, uh, you know, to have had as my father a very famous person, Professor M. Vishwanathan. He's considered like a legend in India because he started the first diabetic clinic in, in uh, India. Yeah. And so he's often referred to as the father of diabetes in India. Uh, so having uh, he having started that uh, after about 25 years, uh, yeah. he had to start something on his own, and I was his eldest son. So he invited me to join him, and so at the age of 18, I had the good fortune to join him and to start really working on diabetes itself, which I don't think many people in the world would have had that opportunity. So right. I had the good opportunity. I made uh, best use of it. And therefore, right from a young age, uh, success started uh, coming uh, yeah. to me. And then now, of course, I'm fairly well established. I run a very large uh, diabetes center as well as a research center. We publish extensively. So a lot of awards have come. You mentioned the Padma Shri, but also the Dr. B.C. Roy Award, which is one of the highest uh, in India uh, yeah. for a medical doctor. I got that many years ago. Yeah. And then I got the uh, Dr. B.R. Ambedkar Award, which is considered the highest research award in India, given by wow. the Indian Council of Medical Research. Yeah. And one more uh, noteworthy is the Dr. Harold Rifkin Award. This is given by the American Diabetic Association. And I got it two years ago. And I was the first Indian to get it. It's given for distinguished service in the field of diabetes to any uh, one, only one award they give every year. And right. uh, two years ago, I became the first Indian to to get that award. So. What an honorary moment for us. <laughs> you know, it's a really proud moment. So I also heard that you have written to 1,300 uh, papers? Yes. Like research papers? <laughs> yes. Yeah? That is also a world record by a practicing doctor. There may be a few people who are in full-time research, for example, working in Harvard or working somewhere where they don't do anything else. Just research, research, research. And also, they have the opportunity to collaborate to the whole world if you work in Canada, US and so on, you have the opportunity to work full time and to collaborate to the whole world because they have so much of technology uh, there. 
so there could be a few who are ahead of me but somebody who is practicing medicine actually seeing patients almost on a daily basis and then to publish 1300 research papers with very high impact i don't think i have seen anyone who has achieved uh, that so i i believe that is a world record so sure so um in healthcare it's it's a 8 trillion dollar in industry isn't it and uh, it's one of the largest industry and it is growing and health is going to be a really biggest uh, problem right and people are actually, especially seeing the covid like this and there are a lot of other pandemic people are actually predicting where the industry you know gone wrong in all this you know uh, what's your opinion why, why this situation is happening like more people are getting sick uh, if if you may want to say something about it i won't say the industry has gone wrong in doing anything because every 100 200 years or so some kind of a pandemic uh, occurs we have seen this many many years ago 200 400 years ago with the plague suddenly plague comes and people just die in those days there were no treatment for plague yeah uh, 100 years ago exactly 100 flu came Yeah. and the spanish flu killed millions of people it just spreads like a once this kind of a virus uh, you know fairly uh, you know dangerous and uh, fast spreading virus comes you just can't stop it and it, it kind of goes all over and everybody is you know getting affected 40% 50% of the population can get affected yeah uh, so covid-19 we really don't know where it uh, how it started but definitely seems to be from one city wuhan in china yeah. uh, but there are some evidences that even before that something might have been around as recently reading about uh, an english team uh, which had toured south africa uh, in december uh, yeah. that's about two months before the chinese uh, thing was announced and yeah. at that time everybody developed what they called was a flu and it, the whole you know tour was kind of uh, affected uh, by the no people to play on the field and they all became quite sick i wonder whether that was covid now yeah. and so this is a kind of a pandemic which once it starts spreading it's almost impossible to 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 stop it But and all governments did their best if you see the indian government what all they did they yeah. first of all they blocked all the borders they said nobody coming in everybody coming in will be screened and you'll think that this is all being you know simply they are saying it's not so i know exactly every single person who arrived uh, into india uh, from because india didn't have it obviously it came from somewhere from abroad yeah. and every single plane every single any other mode by which people came in they were quarantined there were health officials going after them they were being asked about their symptoms the who all they possible it was done interstate borders were all closed so you could not go from one state to another with massive programs every time you pick up the phone and make a phone call there is a message in your state whatever language there is 23 25 languages they say watch out uh, we have a bit of trouble despite that uh it starts spreading because a pandemic is very difficult to stop you know they're saying it's even airborne so with that kind of a thing see every country has certain beds hospital beds available 
know, let's take Sydney or let's take Chennai, where I am. And let's say the total number of all beds put together uh, is uh, 100,000 beds. I'm just putting a, making up a number. Now, suppose 500,000 people fall sick. Now, what do you do? You know, mm. all the beds are full. There's nothing that can be done. Luckily, that kind of a situation only came in Spain, Italy, and one or two uh, places. China very quickly ramped up and we really don't know what happens in China fully, so we don't know. But we know that the next uh, countries which are affected were Italy and Spain, and they didn't take it seriously. In fact, I was very lucky because two weeks before Spain, March 1st or so in Spain, it started. In middle of uh, February, I was there. Nobody knew. I was in Madrid. Nobody knew about this. I was also happily going about. And uh, then I was considering myself so point. Then it becomes very difficult. The, the, and then the other thing is that see, each hospital is geared for certain work. What do we know about COVID? What does anybody know about COVID? The thing is that such a new disease, nobody knows what it is. Every day some new symptoms are coming. Today I saw in the paper, after COVID, after one month, three months after COVID, you're still having strange symptoms not related to cough or not related to breathlessness or the lung. You can have nerve problem, neuro problem, this problem, that problem, kidney problem, diabetes, all coming due to COVID. So it's a, first of all, it's a new disease. Number two, we don't know anything about it. Number three, we don't have a vaccine for it. It's still coming. Number four is that the numbers spread too rapidly and any health system can get overwhelmed. That is why every government which tried to lock down, they, what they're trying to do is, as they said, flatten the curve. So instead of the numbers going up so much that every hospital gets overwhelmed, can we kind of slow it down so that at any time they're able to have enough beds uh, to manage? Uh, so uh, the industry has responded, I would say, quite fast. Because never in the history of any uh, illness, viral or bacterial or anything, has a vaccine been produced so fast, not just one, but like 10 candidates of vaccines. From China, we have a Korea, we have Russian, we have US, we have, we have Indian vaccine. Coming. So many varieties of vaccines are coming. Now, to get a vaccine trial done, again, you can try to shorten the time incubation from three, four months. So we, the first viral thing actually started in January, maybe in China, but it's going to the rest of the world only in March. And here we are in August, already having so many vaccines which have been produced. So I think people have worked with remarkable speed. It's kind of marvel how they have done this. And uh, I'm quite confident that by November, December, a vaccine will be out. They could never do this with SARS or MERS or any of the other uh, viruses, but we have learned from all of those, and hence they have they have done this. The other good thing which was done, where the industry rapidly responded, and the government also helped, was telemedicine. For example, you take India, telemedicine is illegal in India. So right. suppose somebody calls me on my phone, and I give a consultation, even out of humanitarian grounds, it's actually illegal, you can't do that. Yeah. Uh, but on 25th of March, they opened up. They said yeah. anything is possible, WhatsApp, email, telephone, anything you can do, a consultation. Yeah. Now, having done that, even through Zoom or whatever you want, so having done that, now it's very easy for people to reach out. And this all this would have come came only because of COVID. So I would say we have not actually failed, but it would be taken by surprise. 
and because they're taken by surprise yeah. nobody could react in the proper way and the other thing is there's no one answer people don't even know uh, how to see how, we have to test it first of all yeah. to test it there are no kits you have to have an antigen test you have an, an antibody test with the antigen the rapid tests were all wrong in the first instance then they had to very rapidly produce now unless you test and you prove it's covid there are many symptoms which can mimic covid for example ordinary flu cough fever sore throat uh, body pain all this can be an ordinary flu so how do you know as an ordinary flu or a covid okay for that you need a proper test now how do you get the test only after this came suddenly it came so then they have to start making the kits and so on but today we have kits which are fairly reliable antibody test which will tell you whether you had the infection all these have now come so i think uh, it will be unfair to say that uh, you know the medical community or pharmaceutical industry failed in that uh, they have done their best and quite rapidly they have responded but everything takes time because yeah. we are dealing with human beings yeah now they have done a tremendous job and you know the people are working hard government is are working hard yes. uh, for sure and i'm i'm pretty sure in the past when these things happens the world was not so actually accessible to every community absolutely so and that was one reason to spread i believe so and now yeah. like, even the closing the border was too late by the time it people get to yeah. so i um, i'm also hearing it is quite um, you know effective to the diabetic patient so how you are actually trying to help to the people in this current situation from your trait actually so if you look at the outcomes of covid first of all before that i just want to answer and support what you just said see even if you we don't have to go back to spanish flu which was 102 years ago we don't have to go there that's a different world's population was less than 1/5 of what we had at 100 years ago so forget about that there was absolutely no uh, you know way of communicating at that time radio or something might have been there but what do you get how far does radio reach so nobody knew what's happening during that epidemic yeah. you don't have to go that far just go back 10 years 10 yeah. years back if you go back that's where the sars and the mers epidemics uh, came uh, one came middle east is called mers and sars came from southeast asia and, yeah. and so on yeah. when these two came also uh, of course they were not as widespread as covid that's number one yeah. but number two is social media was not that much developed 10 years ago you won't imagine that 10 years ago social media where was whatsapp 10 years ago so there was no whatsapp even 10 years ago no. so now what happened and so forwarding pictures everybody somebody from spain will say oh we are flooded here with patients we don't have we are putting them all on the floor and people are dying like flies and somebody but that's true or not we don't know even if it is true if it had happened before whatsapp only in spain it would have been there nobody would have known now what happens the whole thing is spread all over the world oh we are also going to die we are also going to die we are also going to die everybody is forwarding 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 and then fear complex panic sets in you know yeah. so that is what uh, has made this much worse false fake news and all kinds of wrong information panic being spread and so on negative news basically yeah, yeah. 
And it's like, that's the biggest challenge in the current digital era where people are actually struggling to control the proper news. Like the, what is fake news is actually spreading more faster than the actual, actual news. And it's become a challenge for the cybersecurity issues and other, other sorts of issues in social context. It is occurring right now. Uh, but so getting back to your question about diabetes, I didn't answer that. Why am I interested as a diabetologist in COVID-19 and in diabetes in general? Now, if you look at the worse outcomes that occur in COVID, so see if you see 80% of people with COVID are asymptomatic. They don't, they don't even know they have it. It's very, very difficult to diagnose. Yeah, sure. 20% have little more symptoms. Out of that 20%, about half of them, about 10% of the total, get little more severe and they need to get into hospital. 5% get into ICU and about 1% to 2% may die out of the entire numbers. Maybe about 1% will die. Yeah. If you look at those who get into the ICU, those who get into the hospital, and especially those who die, there is a predominance of certain non-communicable diseases in these people. First of all, they're older people. Age yeah. is a factor. Second is diabetes. Third is heart disease. Fourth is blood pressure, high blood pressure. Fifth yeah. is some respiratory disease, asthma, uh, and so on. So people who have all these comorbidities, as we call them, they are the ones who seem to die. So from my point of view as a diabetologist, I tell all my patients, you better control your diabetes well and make yourself like a non-diabetic person. Then your risk if you get COVID is like the other person. It'll come some cough, cold, three days, you're cured, gone, like an ordinary flu. If you don't control your diabetes, what happens is that when this COVID gets into the body, it spreads. It spreads. The whole immunity is very low. Therefore, it can very easily spread. It's like as if your immune, immunity has gone to sleep and there is an invader attacking when you're sleeping. You know, so fight the invader better. But if the whole army is sleeping and at that time the invader comes, you can imagine what will happen. The whole country will be taken over. So like that, the whole body is then taken over by the virus. It will start producing all kinds of bad uh, you know, uh, cytokines and so on. It's called cytokine storm. And that goes and damages the kidney, the heart, the liver, uh, all the organs, the lungs, pancreas. And that produces all the problems. That becomes more in people with diabetes, obesity, heart disease, smokers, those who have chronic respiratory disease, asthma. These are the people or cancers. These are the people. So they are the people who tend to die. So in my specialty, we have been focusing on trying to keep the sugars under good control and yeah. seeing that we protect people from getting into bad uh, outcomes. Yeah. And how this is actually affecting your non-communicable diseases? Like what's happening in that area? Yeah. It's very important question that you've asked because what happens, and I wrote uh, actually an uh, open page in the Hindu, I think the last Sunday, not the Sunday, the previous Sunday, I yeah. wrote an article uh, in the Hindu, in the open page, our national paper, where I said, uh, non-communicable diseases, are they getting sidelined by COVID? Now, what happens is when everybody starts thinking only about COVID, 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 we go on and on and on. What we don't realize is that like any pandemic, the Spanish flu lasted one year to one and a half years. SARS, MERS lasted about one, one and a half years. Now, yes. this is about six months to nine months, uh, yes. six months, seven months now. I expect another six months, COVID will go away, just like uh, SARS, MERS and all. Yeah, Those many people uh, will die, unfortunately. But another six months, you're not going to have COVID forever. Next 20 years, you're not going to have COVID. It's an infection. Once yes. it infects a significant number of people, it will go away. Mm. But... 
there are diseases like diabetes heart disease hypertension cancers all these which are permanently there they are not going to go away first of all they make covid worse but then these diseases are the real killers if you take the whole world number of people who have died due to covid that many people die every week due to diabetes okay so these are much bigger killers and so my plea to the government was uh, and to everyone was yes take covid seriously take all the precautions you can but don't neglect diabetes hypertension heart disease and the other killers because these are going to stay and if you lose time now uh, you will not be able to gain in fact there's another very interesting article i read today in the papers uh, and that's been circulating now saying that by wearing a mask you know you're not just going to prevent covid if everybody wears a mask tb can be eliminated because tuberculosis is spread through cough and by you know coughing and somebody else picks up the tb germ and then gets it yeah. you wear a mask not only covid you can prevent tb and tb kills 100 times more people than covid uh, in, in india third world country especially in india exactly especially in, in india. Um, i mean australia uh, luckily no, prevented so a lot yeah. but a lot of developed com- countries actually prevented that problem but Correct. yeah for third world countries are still struggling unfortunately yeah 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 so have like having said that right you know it's it's of course it's a hard time so in terms of um, business when you, it comes to your business i heard you have 48 branches or something uh, all okay. over india okay. uh-huh. yes uh, and state of india and about 32 cities in india wow and it's grown in last 20 to 30 years yes okay. about 29 years now yeah right. and right now it's like and also i have heard that you are doing a lot of charitable work and helping a lot of people who can't afford the yeah. medication of diabetic yeah that's yeah. what you are doing i also do because from the beginning um, when my wife and i started off uh, on our own left my father's center and started so first day itself we hardly had any patient but we said let's start doing some charity right now not let's not say after 20 years when you earn something Uh, we will do because we won't feel like doing at that time we'll we'll want to make more money so yeah. we said let's keep a small portion of our earnings right from the first day to charity and the the, the principle is this that uh, you know we from society only we have grown so to back to that society if you give something back then that's uh, it's a very soul fulfilling uh, thing you know and uh, you feel that you get satisfaction how much of money you make it's not you don't get satisfied we treat one poor patient the kind of satisfaction we get is very good uh, over and above that i i uh, now i am a devotee of bhagwan satyasai baba and i am now a member of the central trust which runs his entire organization the fundamental principle in bhagwan baba's uh, organizations whether it's hospitals colleges anything which he runs it has to be free Yeah. and say free not even 1 rupee can be collected not even a registration fee yeah. can be collected yeah yeah i heard that so, so from that so his philosophy is love all serve all help ever hurt never so he has kind of ingrained that in us that unless we, he says nothing wrong in running an industry you can run an industry you run your hospital you have to pay salaries you make your money do everything becoming rich is not a nowhere in bhagavad gita it said uh, remain poor you know yeah. don't become rich they only said help others help others love all serve all that's all it said so all he says is can you do one clinic for someone you know who who really cannot afford that he give you and when you do that he says don't look at it as if i am a rich fellow you are a poor fellow come take this and go not like that 
it's an opportunity for us to serve it's a real opportunity you are giving me and so thank you for giving me the opportunity to serve so yeah. that is how we yeah. started us so that way is we run four or five uh, free diabetic clinics two with the satisai organization itself others on our own including a big rural unit we are running yeah. they are all giving us lot of satisfaction yeah heads up to you i mean there are a lot of people require that and of course there's like when it comes to the serving it has to be selfless you know and that's the part of philanthropy which is really great uh, it's admirable what you are doing in that area so you know if you you have actually dedicated your life for you know on this mission like you want to help people and it, I, i heard you started at the age of 18 and you are still working on it so what's your insight approach and why did you take this kind of approach where you gone you know multiple uh, places and open up so many branches and what was the motive behind it so the point is this that diabetes is a lifelong condition suppose you're running an eye hospital yeah. uh, people come to me for a surgery they finish surgery they go away they don't have to see me again yeah. suppose i'm a gynecologist or obstetrician deliver a baby baby is gone mother is gone and i don't have to see the mother or the baby again unless she gets pregnant again but this is not like that diabetes is very different in the sense that they have to keep coming back again and again and again and again Sure. minimum 3 to 4 times a year we have to see them so yeah. what we started finding is as our clinic became more famous we started getting people from calcutta from northeast from dubai from here from there from all over the place people started coming now if you tell them come back 3 times a year 4 times a year how can they come all the way to chennai so we started even with chennai itself is very big so we first started with one branch in chennai in another part of chennai that worked very well then we said let's try one in the city of hyderabad to see whether you know we are leaving the state and going and whether it will work that worked very well so we said okay all you need is to train people so i started training doctors i started training dietitians started training ophthalmologists training everyone created a whole ecosystem so with that now with the entire training with sops given with iso 9000 certification with the tqm protocol management all the systems built in we were now able to replicate the system so it's something like you know opening up uh, you know kfc or uh, mcdonalds uh, the same systems are followed so if you have a, a burger in uh, new york or in sydney you may not find the difference because exactly same method same everything so that in healthcare we try to do in our specialty it's possible because we do it with numbers what's your sugar what's your blood pressure what is your cholesterol what is this what is that and there are algorithms which you can develop you yeah. can't do it for example a cardiac surgeon can't do that you know how can he go and yes to with his fingers and with his brain and his uh, thing only hands he can operate he yeah. cannot operate from here in hyderabad and somewhere he can train people of course yeah. but it's more difficult in a surgical skill it's your own sing, sing, uh, your yes. own skill which matters here yes. you can develop systems and say you do this if yes. so much you do this if so much you do this if it's not this you do this so like this we develop systems it took some years to develop having developed it now we find that we are able to serve much more people see suppose i had remained as a single practitioner okay i could have made equal amount of money even as a single practitioner but yes. how many patients i could have seen with quality time given to them maybe 20 in a day Yeah. if i'm extremely busy if i work from morning to night and i tire myself out maybe i can see 40 patients or 50 patients beyond that we cannot see at uh, one time before this covid came we were seeing 1300 patients yeah. uh, so this came because i have more than 100 doctors working for me 
So yeah. even each one sees 15 patients, we have still got uh, so many 1,500 patients we can see. So that is the thing we're able to see. And then the other thing is, somebody comes from Calcutta or from Gauhati uh, to see me or from Lucknow uh, to see me. In fact, we had a branch in Lucknow. Wow. Uh, so, which uh, didn't work out quite well, at, uh, and just before COVID, we had closed that. But um, all over India, we're planning to do, because then if the patient comes even to Chennai, we can say, go back and see our branch there, and finish three, four visits there. Maybe one or two years, you can follow up with that branch. And everything is connected through, because you talked about digital health, everything is connected through digital field. So, if they have their records there, I can easily see it here, even if they want me to see it. Similarly, if they come here, it will go to that branch. So, yes. follow-up becomes very easy. Nobody has attempted it in this scale, but slowly, slowly, slowly we did it. And today, we are able to serve uh, so many people. And then, we are on WhatsApp groups of all our consultants will be in one group. Email also we have, WhatsApp. So, suppose we have an interesting case. I'll post it in that and say, look, today I had this thing. This is what we're going to do. For COVID, this is what you're going to do. So immediately, everybody is refreshed. And then, of course, I also take classes for them and so on to maintain the quality. Then, of course, audits become very important. That is why we went for NABH, NABL, uh, CAP certification, uh, ISO certification. All these we went for so that the quality is maintained in a very nice uh, manner. Very good. So it's like more of a, yeah, I always embrace some kind of a system, like without system, without process, without strategy, it's very hard to achieve the success, especially yeah, right. on the scale you are achieving for sure. And uh, these days, uh, it's like it really comments will yeah, that you are actually embracing the technology in such a scale. Um, you know, if almost everybody will start using it, life will be much easier, especially if you want to grow. You know, so I'm a big fan of that. Anyway, I'm from the technology background, so it's my okay. always <laughs> positive side of that. Uh, you see, doctors in the more of um, they should also embrace more a humanitarian side. Like people should come and do something more on that area. Do you see any yeah. need on that? So one of the big training that we give to our doctors, of course, I teach them medicine. Uh, so I teach them medicine, I teach them the art of uh, treating diabetic patients, all that I treat. But they, all my doctors work with me for two years, full time they work with me two years. So during that time, I take them on these camps, the free diabetic clinics, I make them do that also. We don't pay them anything when they go for the free. I'll say that's your seva, that's what you're going to do. So we take them. So they see the other side of the life and they know that we're not doing this for show. We're not doing this just to say we treated so many free and yeah. get some name award. But they, they are actually doing uh, seva. And mm -hmm. then I tell them, when you go for that seva also, you must spend it, do it with love. Because that is very important. It's not just, oh, I went and saw some. I said, no, you'll have to really spend. So once we inculcate that, I get two years to do this. So at the end of two years, they also develop the same culture. And yeah. then integrity and ethics is very important. So I tell them, don't cut corners. Of course, as a business, we want to do, we want to make it profitable, but never, ever cheat your patient. Because That's we didn't right. come into the profession to cheat. We could have been in any other profession if we wanted to make money. Why did we come here? Because it's a noble profession. Yeah. And therefore, yeah. full trust the patient must have in us. And yeah. if they trust us and they come, if we breach their trust, finished. They will never come back again to us and they'll stop trusting you. I said, that alone you cannot change. So you must do what is good for the patient. All the time, uh, do only what is correct and ethical. 
even if i tell you to do something unethical refuse and say don't do that because you'll say you taught me to be ethical so i will not do that so these principles we have you know brought in and that is what has given a good name to the organization and then of course we maintain very high quality and uh, very uh, detailed we go into the disease uh, yeah. which people of course immediately find out when they come for a treatment the depth to which we go yeah would you like to give any advice to the people who want to do the similar thing in the in this area someone want to uh, i would say that for those who are in the medical profession whether it is um, medicine dentistry pharmacy nursing uh, pharmaceutical uh, physiotherapy any anything you are serving human beings and you are dealing with human lives i yeah. would say excel become the best in whatever you do create a niche area for yourself become world class uh, build uh, you know uh, big institutions and make it successful uh, and be profitable also because the profit will flows down have that also but always have ethics as number 1 integrity as number 2 and number 3 a humane heart a humanitarian approach empathize with people because ultimately at the end of the day uh, they need our sympathy empathy love that is very important because this profession is very different some other profession you can say cash down or go that's it here of course it's cash down we don't mean that but then there are always ways in which we can help them out treat yeah. them kindly uh, you know once you do that uh, then you leave a mark in this world and your your life would have been more meaningful and of course in the process you earn the goodwill of people so therefore you will grow people will support you people will come back to you they trust you they will never leave you they can never leave you yeah. you know as long yeah. as you are alive they want only you and they want only to come back to you yeah to that trust it takes a long time to lose the trust it takes only one day one minute you can lose the entire trust so yeah. keep that in mind and then uh, like diabetes there may be many other areas Uh, but you have to have very and then you have to have a good team because yeah. you must trust your team without your team you cannot do everything yourself no. you think everything you are going to do you only a certain amount you can do yeah. if you can delegate and bring in a lot of people then sky is the limit yeah. you can definitely grow and make, make yeah interesting so uh, people want to find you how can they find you um i think if they google me they can find me but then if they just uh, you know uh, if you can add my email id uh, at the end of this program drmohan@diabetes.ind.in that's my direct email id to me so if they write to me i always uh, respond immediately sure. so let them write to me let them also look up i am on social media uh, if they just write drvmohan dr v mohan they yeah. find me on social media and of course if they write Dr. Mohan's Diabetes Specialty Center. Then my hospital's uh, social media. We are on all the social media, both in the hospital as well as mine. And there are a lot of uh, things. If you visit our website, uh, www.drmohan's.com, www.drmohan's.com. Uh, if you just put that, you have articles, blogs, so much of information. We are trying to give out resources, reading material, everything free uh, to people. so whoever is interested uh, to learn uh, they can visit our website uh, visit our uh, thing subscribe to our channel and then they can get lot of information and anything more they wish to clarify 
we are just an email away. Thank you. So I'll put all the details down there in my comment and everybody can reach to you whenever they want. And um, thank you for sharing your valuable uh, journey with us and the achievements you have done. It's really, really, you know, heads off to you for that. We, we really admire you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Priya. Thank you so much. Wish you all the best. Thank you. Bye-bye.